welcome back. Certainly, certainly glad you could join me today. Thought today we'd do a fantastic little winter scene, just a simple little scene I think you'll really, really enjoy doing. Pull up, pull up, like beaming on the place. Push up, push up, doctors flee from the place. Pull up, pull up, like beaming on the place. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening. Today I wanted to share with you something that the Lord taught me through the painter Bob Ross. Now, Bob Ross was a painter who painted and taught this painting show on PBS in the U.S., and he lived from 1942 to 1995. But now, in the age of the internet, his uh, YouTube videos have become somewhat of, they're kind of their own sensation. He's kind of become sort of an internet meme. But I stumbled upon one of his videos called Winter Frost, And it just, you know, in each of his videos or in each of his shows, he would do these nature scene paintings. And they're really, they're really awesome. It's really fun to watch him do it. And his demeanor and his tone of voice and uh, his diction and everything just makes it so much fun to watch. But when I watched Bob Ross paint this painting called Winter Frost, there were moments throughout the process where I just found myself going, what is he doing? Like it just didn't, it looks so weird what he would paint. And then it would come out just totally incredible. So I would encourage you to go on YouTube and look at some of his videos and just watch them, uh, watch him paint. Because as I watched him paint, he would do things that you just go, oh, oh no, he just ruined this painting. But then later, it would turn out to be totally awesome. And so, of course, the Lord spoke to me that that is many times how God's work in our life goes. They, something happens and we just think, oh man, this is, this is horrible. This is messing up my whole plan, everything I wanted, especially in this era that we're living through COVID-19 where many people have just put their lives on hold or their lives have been completely interrupted. Uh, like in, in the case of me and my family, we ended up being you know locked out of China where our, our apartment and our home was and we couldn't go back, we still can't go back, and it just feels like this huge interruption and this huge unplanned mafan, um, we would say in Chinese, or trouble. And yet, I fall back on the promises of God in Romans chapter 8 that says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And so as I watched Bob Ross do his thing on the canvas, it was such a comfort to me to realize, you know, God sees the whole picture. And sometimes in moments of crisis or moments of difficulty, those challenging life moments that we feel like, it feels like, ah, you know what, my life is ruined. And yet God gives us this promise that he is going to work all things together for our good, you know, for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. And that is really a promise that we should grab onto with all of our might and believe and trust. Not that I don't believe that God is causing all things because God has given freedom to human beings and human beings sin. And I don't believe it's God causing people to sin. And the results of sin brings a lot of brokenness, sometimes not even our own sin, but just the results of other people's sin bring so much brokenness into the world. And yet, as believers, we can have this assurance, as Dallas Willard wrote, irredeemable harm does not befall those who willingly live in the hand of God. 
What an astonishing reality. He goes on, Accordingly, older Christian writers often speak of how we are privileged to kiss the rod of affliction which strikes us even while trembling with weakness and pain. What a crucial lesson this is for spiritual transformation. We cease to live on edge wondering, will God do what I want? Pain will not turn to bitterness or disappointment to paralysis. Such a one has learned in the words of Tennyson, So forecast the years and find in loss a gain to match and reach a hand through time to catch the far-off interest of tears. But there is still more. Beyond abandonment is contentment with the will of God, not only with His being who He is and ordaining what He has ordained in general, but with the lot that has fallen to us. At this point in the progression toward complete identification with the will of God, gratitude and joy are the steady tone of our life. We are now assured that God has done and will always do well by us, no matter what. Dreary, foot-dragging surrender to God looks like a far distant country. Also at this point, duplicity looks like utter foolishness in which no sane person would be involved. Grumbling and complaining are gone, not painstakingly resisted or eliminated, but simply unthought of. Rejoice evermore is natural and appropriate. And so I just wanted to encourage you as you look at your life and and maybe everything's going wonderfully for you, but maybe you're in a place that you did not expect to be. And I think we can look throughout scripture and see that that is not an unusual experience for those who follow God. You know, I think of Joseph in the Bible and here's a guy who was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, um, you know, becomes a slave in this guy's house and then is unjustly accused of rape and he's thrown into prison and then he becomes a servant of the people in prison and he's using his gifts to serve people in prison, but he's still in this horrible situation and eventually God brings him out of that situation and God was working each of those instances, not only for his good, but uh, for the good of many. And so uh, when Joseph is finally reunited with the same brothers, who betrayed him, who sold him into slavery. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So Joseph was able to see that God is working these things for good. And I would encourage you, you know, as you can look at almost any story of someone's life in the Bible and, and see all the difficulty they went through. You know, you look at King David, and God raised him up to a place of, you know, total domination as the king of Israel, and yet he went through so many hard times, being rejected by his brothers, being rejected by Saul, being rejected um, at one point by his own children, being rejected by uh, his his wife, all these difficulties that David went through, and yet God still was working in his life. And and the same thing we could look at Abraham or Daniel or Jesus or or the Apostle Paul, any any character in the Bible, because it's real. You know, and, and that's just how life is. Life is not just victory upon victory. Life also has suffering and difficulty. And the Apostle Paul says in Second Corinthians three eighteen, he says, We're being transformed to the image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. So God is transforming us. God is growing us 
But it also says in Hebrews 5.8 that Jesus, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And so if the Son of God had to suffer as a human being on this earth, how much more are we also going to endure the same things? And God is going to use these things to transform us from one level of glory to another, that his goal is to mature us to become to, to attain to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. And so I would just encourage you when you go through difficult times to really come back and, and make sure that you're grounded in your identity as the beloved of God. You know, sometimes we have this attitude of, oh, if everything's going well in my life, you know, I, I get the job I want, I get the relationships I want, I, I can buy the things I want. God is blessing me. God loves me so much. But when things aren't going the way I want, I don't have the job I want, I don't have the relationship I want, I can't buy the things I want. Oh, God must not be pleased with me. God's not, God doesn't love me that much. And that is a stupid way of thinking. God's love cannot be determined by the smoothness of our circumstances around us. God's love is demonstrated at the cross, you know, not by whether or not uh, I get the parking space I want at the mall or, you know, I, I, I'm in the relationship I want or my body is perfectly healthy or all these things, these other external conditions that we might measure a particular quality of life and that when we have the uh, lifestyle that we want, then we think, oh, God really loves me. No, God's love is demonstrated on the cross. God loves us and he proved it by sending his son Jesus to die for us so that we might be saved, so that we could be in relationship with him. And that is the demonstration of God's love. And so, as I was saying, I would encourage us all when we come into these seasons of difficulty to really remember who we are, to really remember our identity as the beloved of God. And it's when we are rooted in our identity that we are able to move through these challenges with joy, as James talks about in James chapter 1, verse 2, to consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds because they're coming to complete your faith. They're coming to make you more like Jesus. And so Graham Cook talks about that, you know, when we get a when we get a trial and we have a challenge in front of us, we should be excited. We should be uh, looking forward to how God is going to upgrade us, what God is going to do to make us become more like Jesus. And I would also encourage you never to take one thing in your life and kind of hold your relationship with God hostage with this one thing. Like, God, you have to work this thing out for you and I to be in proper relationship. Like, it, you know, maybe somebody you love is sick and it's, God, I, you have to heal this person. Or maybe, you know, you're in a crossroads of life and you're like, God, you have to uh, show me what to do here. You have to open a door for me or whatever. We should never take one thing in our life and just make that the center of our interaction with the Lord. God has provided everything we need for life and godliness, it says in Second Peter. So God has already given us all that we need to go through life full of joy, full of peace, as we trust Him, as we experience relationship with him and we live out of the fullness of his kingdom there's no need for us to take this one thing or that one thing and kind of 
make say, God, you have to do this one thing the way that I want, or we're not going to be good. We're not going to be in fellowship. We're not going to be in relationship. I think that approach is dangerous in any relationship, and it's certainly dangerous in our relationship with the Lord. That we just would be foolish to do that. Rather than look at this one thing that we may be struggling with or that we don't understand. I would say look at the fullness of everything that God has provided. I mean, when you look simply at the planet that we live on, that God put us on a planet that everything you touch and use and <laughs> and go through life, you know, using everything that we use on this planet came out of the earth, that God put everything that we needed here on this planet. And and just to look at the abundance that God has provided just through the physical earth, not to mention sending his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be counted blameless before God and we could be in relationship with God. We could have the same kind of relationship with God that Jesus himself has. I mean, that's just a whole nother level. But even the material provision of God that he sends the rain on the wicked and the ungrateful and he is kind to everyone. The Bible says that his mercy is over all that he has made. God has been so gracious. And so it's really... I think it's really unwise to take any one thing and say, God, this thing isn't working out the way that I want it to. And, you know, this is going to be every time I pray, I'm just going to pray about this thing. Every time I approach God, I'm going to approach it only through the lens of this this problem or this thing that isn't the way I want. I think that's really unwise. I think we'd do much better to look at the fullness of what God has provided, to come with to God with gratitude and just just overflowing with thankfulness. And then, yeah, of course, we, we hope that God resolves the, the burdens of our hearts, the things that we want, where we want, you know, to, to be in a relationship with someone, or we want leading into what, what job we should take or anything like that. But to say, you know what, God, even if you don't give me this thing, that's okay. I love you. You're so good. You've done everything for me. You gave me life. You created me. And I'm here just to serve you and to please you. And you certainly don't have to do things according to my way. And to fall back on the promise that God loves us and that God is working everything for our good. And so I would encourage you to go watch a a Bob Ross video and see if at any point you think, oh man, he's ruining this painting. And then you see, oh no, he's not. He's making it even more beautiful. And to see if that doesn't speak to how God sometimes uses the circumstances of our life to conform us to the image of Christ, to grow us, and to allow us to experience Him. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you.